So welcome to a special edition of the Long Table. Uh, I have a few DBN heavy hitters with me. Uh, as always, my my compatriot, the juggernaut of languages from Budapest, fourth. Welcome aboard. Good to be here. Uh, we have from the absolute ten and six, one of the uh, one of the funnier guys around. We got uh, Big Town Brown. Scott, what's up, guys? And uh, we have the Godfather of Dogs by Nature Radio. We have Easy Weave. Welcome aboard. Howdy. All right, so uh, I got all of you guys on on the hook for this uh, this little program today because I kind of want to talk about you know save the Browns. We haven't done one of these in a while, and it's uh, it's always good to get the meeting of the minds and 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 having like a, a pretty good intellectual discussion. Um, so you know, uh, Fort and I have kind of left off on a, uh, a note where we thought everything was, uh, you know, where we, where we were with, with a team. And, and I guess, you know, you guys have all done your shows and all talked about it, but we really haven't done it together. So I think this is kind of a good thing to, we could bounce a few things off each other and, and get, you know, have some, some, some discussions and maybe debates and, and thoughts about what's going to happen in the off season and what just happened, uh, you know, in, in the coaching search and, and uh, how we finished up the year. So uh, I'm going to start with easy. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot you a question and we'll just bounce around. We'll 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 all take turns answering here and there. And and I guess we'll start with this. And and easy. I know I know you're a Freddie Kitchens guy. I know you're a, Do- a John Dorsey guy. Um, your overall opinion of the of the of the the Freddie Kitchens move and the subsequent uh, offensive coordinator move and uh, defensive coordinator move uh, with uh, Monken and uh, Wilkes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty uh, high on all of it at this point. You know, the the uh, coaching search was, I thought, pretty deliberate and fairly expansive. Um, I had kind of a you know, three, a triumvirate of candidates that I kind of thought were the top tier. And uh, Freddie Kitchens was part of it. And, you know, while while Greg Williams was the guy that I was, you know, kind of had it out in front with um, Bruce Arians being kind of the, you know, I kind of looked at those those three three as uh, Greg Arians and Kitcho being kind of one, a one B and one C um, in, in the, the top tier. Ultimately I wanted who we wanted as in who Dorsey was most comfortable with. Cause obviously they have access to information that I can't possibly have. And since the hiring, it's kind of come to light that a lot of the things that I had kind of attributed to Greg, it seems like more and more of that was actually Kitcho that was making that happen. So I'm great with it. I'm great with, um, with, with the hire, I think that uh, Freddie Kitchens has established in his time, you know, running the offense, some really, you know, impressive coaching chops. I, I don't go into this thinking that he's going to be an offensive coordinator. That's just happens to be, you know, the head coaching title. He's going to be a head coach and we're going to have a new offensive coordinator and probably a, a, a slightly different looking offense. Um, but that's fine because I think that what's important to be a head coach is not necessarily necessarily what you need to be a quality offensive coordinator. And he was a tremendous offensive coordinator. The the final eight games of the season, it was night and day compared to what we had seen uh, prior to that. But in the course of that, it wasn't just that uh, Baker was 
you know, uh, more accurate and more comfortable. It wasn't just that the offensive line was blocking better. It wasn't just that the wide receivers were getting open more frequently and catching the ball with more frequency. It wasn't just that the scheming of each game's uh, game plan was, you know, each week's game plan was, was more effective. It was all of those things put together and it was immediate and it was instantaneous that these improvements occurred. So, uh, you know, I'm extraordinarily pleased with the hire. I think that um, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's a move for the future. And then after watching the press conference, which I hope that you guys all did, uh, I, I am, you know, Freddie Kitchens is a guy that when you listen to him talk in the first place, he he sounds like to me. And I said this to my wife. We watched we actually watched my wife and I watched all 40 minutes of this thing together. And about halfway through, I said to her, I'm like, this guy is like an older, more mature, grown up version of Baker. When you listen to him talk and listen to Baker talk, they sound like the same guy. And his hair is absolutely on fire to win a championship right now and the attitude that he uh, that he brings the experience that he brings uh i am I'm, I'm more ex- I'll, i will say this as far as the state of the cleveland browns right now maybe i should save this for later on our ultimate like kind of overview of the team but i am more excited about this team right now than i have been since the end of the 1994 season the last time we won a playoff game i am that high on where the uh, the, the team is right now and every bit of that has to do with the selection of freddie kitchens and i have extraordinarily high expectations uh, even though i have to preface that by saying we suck we're screwed everything is going to go wrong and we're going to win you know no games next year again but outside of that i'm really really excited about everything yeah i mean i think that that's a uh, it's a good take there's a lot to that uh, there's a lot to dissect in that we're gonna we're gonna bounce off but i will say that i uh, the next thing i was gonna bring up is the press conference and i, I think the press conference itself is very telling I, I don't think he reminds me of an older mayfield i do think he re- he you know one of the things that that stood off to me is that he's a leader of men and that's something that i was you know i was kind of big in on uh on the coaching hunt you know we i don't think we've had a true leader of men uh as a head coach in quite some time um somebody who you know uh people respect uh that the guys want to go out and play for we obviously didn't have that in you jackson um we probably i, I mean m- maybe if you want to go I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't even know who the last head coach to say is, hey, this is a quality this is a quality guy who people want to follow. And even if he was a bad coach, he's a guy people want to follow. I think Kitchens is a guy that people want to follow, and we've seen that he's a good coach. I I will bring up, and I'll, I'll throw this to fourth. One of the things that, I don't know if you, if you listen to the press conference, um, if not, then we could pass this one over to BTB. But I, I think, because uh, I do have something in mind to ask him next. But uh, fourth, there was one thing that that Kitchens kind of said that um, that made me think a little bit uh, that you might have a, a pretty good take on this is, and that was that when he said you know why the people asked him why he was passed over and it's because he was kind of quiet and and, and uh, he didn't scream himself to the top of the list like he wasn't uh, he wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. Do you think that that did actually play a part in him not getting a job until this point? Or do you think it's, you know, um, you know, he just he just wasn't ready. And, and this is the first time he's ever actually elevated himself to that point where he's uh, he's he's a, a quality head coaching candidate. I think I think he, he is right. And uh, that's actually what I was thinking about uh, while Easy was speaking. I was thinking about how many people like Kicho must be out there among the coaching ranks who just, you know, heads down, do their job and they're awesome, but get overlooked because 
you know they they don't they don't do the uh politics game uh the way some others do yeah i mean it's uh a people's business when, when in the end it's it's like a big fraternity and um honestly um i i think that uh kitchens reminds me a bit of uh lombardi in the sense that uh he is very good with people and he realizes that it's a it's a people's business i mean i mean the the super bowl trophy is not named after someone who was a great X's and O's guys was a great innovator of the game. I mean, we have those coaches too, but but the game is named after someone who brought out uh, not the game, the trophy is named out, named after someone who brought out the best of everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's, I, that's I mean, a great I mean, point. At, at at the time, it required uh, a different style, but. Uh, I think you know a more authoritarian style in the uh, late fifties and and the sixties, but um, I, th- I think Kicho is is a very similar guy. I mean, the whole thing about communicating with players, wh- what they like the most, um, and and he assembled, uh, or I should say, they assembled a kind of a eclectic coaching staff. We have all sorts of people on, on both sides, or I, sh- I should say, all three sides of the ball. Uh, plus, we have uh, Jody Wright, uh, who came from from the uh, CFL, right? Yep. As, as a special assistant to the head coach, so um, I assume that these guys are all impressed and all all all. all on board with uh, Freddie's way of doing things that is uh, focusing on what the players want, how they feel about it, because what really, um, I'm not sure if he said it during the uh, press conference. I I watched it, by the way, but he said it somewhere. I'm just not sure where he said it, that in the end, the game is played by the players and we should just let them play you know get out of the way yeah essentially yeah so um anyway i'm i'm, I'm pleased uh, and um yeah uh, i think he was right he was overlooked because he wasn't an ass kisser like you and you know like he did he, he, he didn't you have... meaning h-u-e not y-o-u of yeah, course yeah you <laughs> and, and and he didn't have the uh the uh, Mike Silver uh, connection to drive him connection. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I mean, all good points, all good points. I I will say, um, and I'm going to touch on, I guess now that this is kind of, this actually worked out really well because the thing that I wanted to, to bring into BTB is, is the actual, what his thoughts are on, um, on what the team actually, how they played. I know John, uh, Dorsey was asked. It might have actually been Mary Kay that actually asked him the question. I'm not exactly sure, but somebody asked him during the press conference what input Baker Mayfield had in the uh, in the coaching selection. And I, I and I kind of agree with what Dorsey said that Baker's a rookie and he really, you know, we made the decision. But BTB, do you think that? Um, 
maybe not just Baker, but the team mentality had something to do with the the selection of Dorsey. Do you think that that uh, I mean Dorsey with the selection of uh, Freddie? Do you think Dorsey actually listened to uh, or and went and checked with the players to see what their thoughts were on uh, Freddie Kitchens? Uh, I don't know how much he actually like checked with the players, but I, I guarantee Baker had some sort of input on it. I think that uh, you know when the coaching search first got started. Um, Dorsey probably did talk to Baker and say, you know, hey, what do you, you know, what do you need to succeed, you know? Um, and as he should with his young rookie, you know, and that's something that uh, Kitchens does himself is, you know, like one of you guys touched on earlier, he goes to his, you know, goes to his players and says, okay, I, I like doing this. What do you guys like? What do you guys like seeing? Um, him, Kitchens, Dorsey, and Baker Mayfield all have the same football mentality. You know, they're all gritty guys. They're all down-home guys. Um, they're all football guys. You know, they're not they're not analytics guys at all. Uh, there's probably is some analytics department in Dorsey's uh, coaching search. But, um, yeah, touching back onto that, I think that uh, Dorsey did ask Baker his input on it. And, you know, there was rumors floating around about, uh, you know, Baker being Skyped into some of the um, – head coaching uh, interviews there. I don't know how much of that is true, or, you know, if if that would really happen, but it, it probably should happen. You know, it probably should happen, you know, saying, hey, hey, guys, you know, you want to be the head coach? Well, you know, this is the guy, you know, speak to him. you got to work with. Yep. Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is the guy you got to work with, you know, speak to him. I know when, you know, I look for people to uh, hire in my business, uh, you, know, I, you know, in the automotive business, I grab my lead mechanic and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about hiring this guy, you know, why don't you guys talk for a little bit, you know, um, so yeah, I think there was there was a little bit of um, inside from Baker and inside from the players, and I do know all the all the players love the uh, Freddie Kitchens hire there. I mean, as soon as they got announced, you saw Twitter. Everybody, you know, was Twitter, you know, twittering uh, Kitchens. Yeah, that's my guy. You know, that's even our coach. The, even, the, even the defensive guys, which was yeah. which says something. You know, I think that that's uh, you know it, it showed that the, that he rubbed off positively on the defensive guys, even though he probably wasn't involved in the meetings and stuff that that. Uh, that everyone really liked him. So that's that 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 was another thing that stood out to me that you know, you saw uh Avery uh tweeted instantly as soon as Kitchens yeah. was hired. Um I believe Garrett tweeted pretty quick and, and so did Kirko. So to get those those guys get up and uh say something positive about him right off the bat I think says, you know, pretty much that the players were all in on this move and that this is the guy that they wanted to. So um normally that's a little you know, it could be scary that to hire a guy that the players want. But you know, we saw we saw good things out of Freddie and um that the fact that the players wanted him there also speaks volumes of of uh, of what they're going to do for him. So I'm, I'm 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 I know I've said this before, but I'm I'm very happy with the move. Uh, Kitchens is the guy that I wanted us to hire at that point. Um, I mean, the only other guy that I even thought might have been a decent possibility would have been Arians, but that would have only worked for me if Freddie stayed on as offensive coordinator and. Uh, you know, was being groomed to take the job over in a year or two. Uh, but I don't know how that would have worked out. I really don't. I think that one more solid year at offensive coordinator and, and Freddie was going to get a, a job somewhere else if it wasn't with us. Well, you know, and, uh, one thing about all you Arians boys out there, um, you know, you, you kind of got a younger version of Arians with Kitchens. I mean, he's, he, yeah, he spent so many years under Arians. Heck, he was in, even uh, Arians was even with him back in the Alabama days, you know. And the, and the amount of coaches and the amount of knowledge that Kitchens has been around all of his life with, you know, Nick Saban, Bill Parcells, uh, Ken Weisenhunt, and Arians. I mean, the guy's got uh, all sorts of knowledge from these guys throughout the years. 
Yeah. Well, he so, may be a younger version of Arians, but the, the thing about Arians is what you like is that the the experience that he brings to the table. And I I love Freddie Kitchens. I'm very very pleased with that with the hire. And it's a different it's a different approach, which is fine. I mean, it's totally fine. But I'm just saying that it's it's you can't really say that well we're just getting a different version. We're getting a younger version. We're getting a less experienced version. But Bruce Arians is an established football mind that has worked with you know Hall of Fame quarterbacks in his career and has been successful. So. That's I kind just, of the I difference just, I just in, hope in the perspective. That, um, I just hope that uh, we get a more honest version of, of Arians because if you guys remember, he said that he would only come back to coach the Browns. Well, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a little caveat to that because that was the only job that technically was open at that point. So when he starts getting asked questions, you know. You know like, well, but th- that, that's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. He would only come back to coach the Browns. I don't mind if a coach I don't that's, mind if the coach lies. That's, that's I don't care. I, I don't have a problem if, if uh, coaches lie. In fact, I want everybody on the team to lie constantly because I don't want the other side to know what the hell is going uh, on. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's different. You know, when you, when you come out uh, after a game or, or a game-related presser, you know, to lie there, that's, that's, that's okay. But um, and, and the funny thing is that uh, uh, Kicho didn't lie there. He said he's going to bring the wishbone. He brought the wishbone. That was awesome. That was well, awesome. The only, lie I've ever heard, the only lie I've ever heard Kitchens tell is we didn't change up offensive scheme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mean where he said point blank you know, during the interview? He's like, we, did, we, we ran all oh, the same plays. They weren't any different plays. We just put a little twist on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw different plays. We all saw different plays. Come on now. <laughs> No, they were just ran better. They oh, looked yeah, like yeah. different plays because they were executed better. And yep, that's coaching. Yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I that's what this. the guy said. I mean, hey, we're going to come back to this. And, and, we, and, we all, and we all love the line coaches, right? Yep. I, I mean, do. You, you, you can't just drop a, a, a new book that's as thick as a phone book on the table uh, uh, during the offensive me- meeting and then say, oh, well, this is our new playbook. Yeah, this no, is our new playbook. Now there was probably, there were new wrinkles and stuff in there. Obviously the wishbone a lot. Uh, he did change up a few things. We weren't running. I don't think we ran the jet sweep as much, which was something that, that actually made me happy. We ran it a few times. Uh, you know, I think he started to use the back end of the playbook a lot more. Yeah, yeah, the 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 B side, the kitchen side. Yeah. <laughs> so is it technically his playbook, or is it just the is it the the B side of the Haley playbook? Well, the, the Haley playbook was uh, I didn't even see a Haley playbook. Haley's playbook from Pittsburgh did not come over to Cleveland at all, whatsoever. It didn't. It was the same version of uh, Hugh Jackson's playbook um, with with Haley calling the plays. It was garbage and it was putrid. That was one of the things I did not like about Haley coming over is I figured the offense would look 100% different and more of, you know, Pittsburgh's offense, more ground and pound and utilizations of the uh, tight ends, but it wasn't at all. Yeah, no, you're right. The interesting thing about the NFL is that, um, I mean, the game is in a lot of ways the same. It's, It's really homogenous in a lot of ways, more so than than uh, the college and especially more than the uh, high school ranks. But um, um, the fine thing is, you know, we we, we ran the uh, play with the uh, with with Landry. Uh, the, you, you know those. Play? Yes, those those wing T plays. 
when when he ran from the like back the inverse veer that came back around the end yeah. from the reverse motion on the other side yeah, did yeah. against the Panthers yeah. twice yes and then uh, you know we saw themes uh copying that and and way before that we copied the uh the eagles mm-hmm. with the brown special when when uh, during the jets game so it's 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 really well, it is a copycat league that's been thrown around. That's you know that's not that's not any one of our terms. That's been said for for yeah you know, yeah right. I'm I'm just saying that um, uh, most of the uh, most of the playbooks, I think uh, about seventy five percent of them are are the same in sure. my opinion. Uh, I think the thing that Freddie kept in place was the language. And he still kept it in place. He he made a point of it to to uh, say that uh, uh, the new OC Monken is gonna learn the language as opposed to bring in a new one because it's easier for him to learn it as opposed to Everybody the entire o- offense. Yeah, learning it. So yeah, it's it's um... it's a very important point, by the way. Yep. And I think that it speaks to the fact that it's not all that important that one guy's in other words, it's not these guys, especially Kicho. I think one of the reasons why he is, and I know Chris, you got to take a a, a time out here, but the, um, what's impressive to me about kitchens and continues to buttress the point that he wasn't using a new playbook. He was using the existing playbook, (laughs) but that, I mean, which like as fourth said is just, it just reflects reality, right? It reflects common sense because you can't just, but again, the point is he adapted to what he had. He didn't come in and say, "Ah, I can't do anything because I'm going to have to install my entire thing. We are, he said, no, no, we're going to use what we have. We're going to adapt with what we have and we're going to make it work. He made it work. And then more impressively, when now he's got a bit of, uh, you know, a chance to step back and say, okay, now I'm going to put my own thing. He's saying, no, to hell with that. We're going to continue on with what we're doing because it's already familiar with the players and I want to win right now. So we're going to bring in a, when we bring in our new OC, you're going to also use uh, Todd Haley's verbiage and basically his concepts along with your own stuff, you know, as far as running your own offense. But to me, I think that it speaks to, and it's impressive. It's the adaptability of kitchens to know, you know, who he has on the team and to, to get, you know, it's kind of, you know, fourth said it already. And it's a, it's a really, really important point. It's a people's business. It really is. He knows how to manage people. And he also realizes that unlike Hugh, I mean, Hugh basically, you know, his excuse until he had an all-star literally at every position was that he would never have the talent to win kitchens is like i'm going to take there's a lot of talent on this team i'm going to take what i have here i'm going to put them all in a position to be successful which is what a coach should be able to do and not having you know having it to where it has to be his verbiage it has to be his kind of football ideology um that's an impressive thing and i think it's an underlooked thing in terms of why he was the right guy kind of the unselfishness and the way that he um you know, is able to commit to the concept of the team more than it having to be all about him, his offense, him getting the glory and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I, I, I do have to take a break, but I do want to just, I, I want to wrap that point up because I actually, it, it's, it touches on something that I was going to talk about. And I think that it, it really speaks volumes about what kind of uh, coach he's, he, uh, he's going to be kitchens is, is that he'll probably look to see what Monken did really well in Tampa. And that, that was throw the ball down the field. They, they threw the ball. Maybe they didn't score a lot of points, but they were, I think third in yards. Um, they had a, a very good vertical 
downfield passing game. And I think uh, there'll be some wrinkles of that brought into the system that we have now. So I think that um, what, like what we said about Freddie is that he, he will, he's willing to adapt. If he, he sees something that'll work, if he talks to the players and they, this is something they think will work, they'll bring elements in from Monk and stuff and he's going to call the game still. So um, it's basically like adding another offensive mind just to have another, another, you know, another set of eyes on, you know, either the quality can like, he'll be like a quality control offensive guy where he has a big input in, in uh, what, what, what gets, uh, you know, what gets set up for the offense of the week. And then, um, you know, he'll, he'll, instead of having one guy look at it, you'll have two guys that are basically the offensive coordinator looking at the, the plays uh, in practice during the game, see what works, see what doesn't work. And it, it's, uh, you know, you still have the guy, the head coach calling the plays, but you now have another set of eyes saying, well, I think this might work here. This is, we could take advantage of this situation. Uh you know, it, it, instead of, you know, so this all won't fall onto Freddie where, you know, he's in a spot where he's got to manage the game and call the plays, um, which is something that that you was terrible at, um, even when he got Haley as the offensive coordinator. Um, so uh, we will take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about some free agency stuff because we've been uh, we've been discussing that offline a little bit. And uh, I kind of want to get everyone's uh, take on some moves that we should should make and maybe shouldn't make next year and we will catch you on the other side so welcome back i'm gin and tonic this is dogs by nature the long table it's actually a square table round table today we have uh we have a, a bunch of guests right with us. square table that's a square table hey, he, that was a fat joke i get it <laughs> it wasn't but okay um so uh you know we left off we started talking about the coaches i guess the next thing to talk about to me is um positions of need positions of change yeah. uh we were kind of talking about this in our little uh facebook chat last night um and i started with easy last time and i went to btb last so i kind of want to reverse that um and uh btb yes sir what do you think man uh any position group, offensive, defensive, where do you think you see us making a big splash, either a, a draft pick, a free agent signing, um, anything, a trade even? Where, what, what position group do you think is, is one that you, you would like to see us make a move in? Uh, and if so, if you have a, a specific player in mind, who would it be? Yeah, sure. Uh, one guy I've been paying a lot of attention to is uh, Jared McCoy. Um, you know, he spent all nine seasons in the NFL with the Bucks. 4-3 scheme guy. Uh, I know I've been telling you guys about this Jared McCoy guy and, uh, you know, kind of brought it to you guys' attention that we could probably make a run after him. Um, I think that's a guy that, you know, we should probably go after. You know, he could, he could be a good rotational guy um, with Ogba in the middle there. Um, he should be a good get for us. And now as far as like uh, – free agency and stuff. I, I think we have to make a splash at the wide receiver position and how we do that. I think that we have to go after a potential trade. Now who that potential trade will be. I don't know. Everybody knows Antonio Brown wants out of Pittsburgh, whether we want him or not, who knows? Uh, he could be a cancer in the locker room or he could be a fresh start with a fresh team. You know, who knows with these guys? Yeah. I, 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 I get your take. Um, I know you've been high on McCoy for a while now and yeah, that's and, my uh, guy. He's a, you know, he's an, he's a buck. So I'll, I was going to go to him last, but I'll, I'll jump to, to, uh, to easy. What do you, what do you think about Joe McCoy? And, uh, yeah, well, you know, I want to, uh, yeah, I want to thank BTB because before he broke. Oh, easy. 
You there? I think I think I just broke Easy's internet. I think you did. All right, so we'll uh, we'll jump we'll jump over to we'll jump over to fourth for a second. Uh, we'll see you if we want, it up. You want I had never to... heard. Up, oh, Easy, you there? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. I, I, I heard you guys the whole time. You hear me? All right. No, Hello? You're, you're you're cutting in and out. I think you're good now. Why don't you give it a shot? Okay. So. Go ahead. One, two, one, two. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. What, what I was going to say is that, uh, yeah, I had never heard of uh, Gerald McCoy until BTB, you know, told us about him a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not shady McCoy. I know, you're, I know who you're thinking of, you know, here's something that uh, you probably haven't considered uh, BTB is, and that is, you know, McCoy went to Oklahoma. So, you know, yeah. that he's probably a, a huge Baker fan. Oh, of course. Um, he is, yeah. I, the, the idea is that, because what the Bucks did is they hired Arians, and then they also brought along um, the former Jets off uh, head coach Todd Bowles, who's now going to run their defense. The thought is, and it's not been confirmed, but the thought is he would get, he's going to switch to a three-four, and that would make a guy like McCoy expendable. I'm not really sure how that works out because I kind of if you're run a three-four, you kind of need a guy like McCoy that would man one of the edges. Certainly, uh, Vita Vea would be the nose in that scenario. But be that as it may, he's got something like 39 million left on a three and three years left on his deal, according to. Bernie, um, none of that is guaranteed. I, I'm not so sure about that, but either way, um, the, the, the notion that he would become available would probably happen via the, the Bucks releasing him. And I don't know that that is, is forthcoming. It's been rumored. If it were to happen, if the Bucks were to make him, you know, were to, to cut with him and the Browns were able to make it. I, I'm fine with the move. Um, I'm not really somebody that thinks that our, our defensive tackle position is in such dire straits as a lot of others. Uh, a lot of people think that it's a position that we absolutely must, must, must upgrade. I'm fine if we do it, but I'm not quite if it happens, great. I'm just um, always trepidatious about bringing on, especially big contracts for players that other teams have let go. And McCoy's a good player. Um, I think that he probably his value in Tampa may be greater than it would be anywhere else because he's got a intangible value as kind of the team spiritual leader. And it's just kind of a it, without, you know, if you don't kind of know the history of the Buccaneers and, and, you know, like what Leroy Selman meant to this organization and he died. Um, after taking McCoy under his wing. And that was a kind of a huge um, passing of the torch, which wasn't expected. And so McCoy has filled a larger role, even than just the football side of things. Obviously now a new coach coming in, things are going to change, but I'm just, I'm not convinced that if you, if we were to invest the money into Gerald McCoy, he would make a huge difference in terms of, you know, the impact he would have on our front four. Having said that, I'm sure it would be at least a marginal, a marginal improvement, but certainly it would improve the depth um, in in a major way. Is it worth the probably seven or eight or nine million we'd have to spend? Eh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so convinced of that. Okay, so I did a quick little search, and McCoy is owed nothing guaranteed over the next three years. He's got uh, he's got zero dead cap hits. He's at uh, 13 million this year, 12 and a half the following year, and just under 13 million in, in 2021. So he's owed a guy. I'm sorry, the guy that, that did his the guy that. Uh, authored his extension is still the GM. You know, the Bucks didn't totally clean house. They yep. just fired the head coach. Jason Light is still the, the GM. So, again, I, I, if, if that being the case, if he doesn't have anything guaranteed over the next three years, then why would the Bucks release him? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's also got nothing. He's also a zero dead cap hit. They could free up $13 million in their salary mm-hmm. cap if they cut him. So, But then they'd have to replace him. 
And right now, sure. the replacement would be Carl Nassib. And yeah, well, is is that you know I mean and and as as a as a casual observer, do you think that Carl Nassib is an equitable trade off for a guy like Gerald McCoy? I, I mean, maybe not, but Carl Nassib does give sound financial advice. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So um, and undeniable. Yeah. So I know, uh, Easy. We talked about it a little bit last night, and um, you have a specific uh, position group that you are interested in improving. Well, right, and I don't want. I don't mean to. Um, um, to take away other people's time here, because we sort of get everybody's voice in here. But sure. I, just, just in looking at the roster, I, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of of major holes. Um, I, I think that, like, and th- this is probably the first time that we've been able to say this in a long time. Where I'm good with improving everywhere, wherever it is that there's chances to, whoever it is that we, you know, that we that we come into contact with that could improve the team. I'm good with doing all of it. You know, um, wide receiver. You know, if, if there's one available that. Seventeen that we really love, great, go get that guy. Uh, offensive tackle, same thing. Defensive tackle, same thing. Uh, defensive secondary, really, whether it be at the cornerback position or the safety position. If there's a guy out there that you really like, or there's a depth player that you really like, I'm good with improving all of the position groups. I just don't see anywhere on the roster where we have a really pronounced need that we absolutely, if we don't upgrade, then it's going to, you know, keep us, prevent us from winning next year. That said, the one group that I think if we had a impact player added to, I think it'd be the linebacker position. And the reasoning for this is that if you look at the way the defense is composed right now, you've got, you know, Miles Garrett, who is, you know, he, he just had an all pro season and he's not even as good as he's going to be yet. So that guy is an impact player on the defensive line. And pr- there's probably another one in Larry Ogunjobi and perhaps, you know, even, uh, you know, Emmanuel Ogba, who I know is not really high on this board, but he could improve. And I think at least be a serviceable starter along that front. Uh, part of the group. This, the back end of the group has an impact player and Denzel Ward and maybe another one in Jabril Peppers if he continues his trajectory of improvement that he and he absolutely did improve you know a lot over his in his sophomore year over his rookie year. So while again I think that you can add quality depth there if it's available you've got impact players on the front you know, part of the, of the defense and in the back part of the defense in that middle part, though, we're paying Jamie Collins as if he is an impact player. Uh, Joe Schobert showed when he was gone that they certainly missed him being there. So I guess from that standpoint, he is an impact player as in his impact is felt if he's not there. Uh, and Christian Kirksey is one of my favorite players, but you know, he's been on the team now for what, five years. And is he really a solid impact player when he's out there? And when I mean impact player, you know who I'm talking about. I hate to use the, the example of Ray Lewis, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. One of those guys, or like Ruben Foster was when he went to the 49ers. If there was a player like that, a sideline to sideline, just tackle monster, somebody that was able to use the talent of the guys that are in front of him um, and, and accentuate the ability of the guys that are behind him. I think that it would, it's the one position group that if we had a serious investment in, if we were able to, if we were to get a player of impact, such as we got with Baker or with Denzel Ward or with Nick Chubb or, um, 
Jannard with Miles Avery. Garrett the year before, or yeah, Jannard, even yeah. Um, but, but I'm even looking at somebody even more than Avery. I'm talking about somebody that when once we got that guy, it's like okay, that position is not only solved, but we've got a a special talent there. If we were able to replicate that sort of success at the linebacker position, yeah. there's no reason this defense can't be like a top three unit next year. Well, yeah. you know, before before fourth jumps in and, and going to the linebacker, if you look at the list of linebacker free agents, unrestricted free agents, there's a ton of them out there. Now, how many be retained by their current teams? Who knows? Uh, Cincinnati has at least four of them that are going to be unrestricted free agents, two of them being uh, Vincent Ray and um, Preston Brown. Um, both, you know, well, Vincent Ray's in his 30s, Preston Brown's inside linebacker, 26 years old. Um, he is a very good player. And also, too, you know, I don't know, does does um, uh, the Texans – yeah, the Texans, do they want to invest the money in uh, Jadavion Clowney? I think they probably will. J.J. Uh, Watt, what's he got? Maybe four or five years left on, you know, his lifespan. Um, and being at the elite level, he might have two more years left on that. Uh, you know, uh, Derek Morgan, he's an older player from Tennessee. He's going to be a restri- unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, there's a lot of looking at the list here. There's a lot of uh, a lot of guys out here. D Ford, one of them, and Kansas City. There's yeah, a lot of look, there's a lot of guys we can make runs at if you know they're not retained by their current teams. The two of yeah, those guys that you mentioned, though, I think are kind of more traditional edge, edge guys. Plays. Yeah, what yeah. uh, what Easy's talking about was more specifically is a is a tackling guy like a uh, like a Keekly or a, you know right. Or, well, we're gonna we're gonna have Kirksey if, coming back, and in a full season if, with Kirksey healthy is gonna is gonna boat out. And you can also you can also make a run at uh, Monte Teo, Manti Teo, however you want to pronounce his name. The, the 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 guy who I'm looking at is Al Holcomb, the uh, our new linebacker coach. coach. Yeah, who should teach these guys how not to whiff a tackle? Yeah, well, that's a big thing. Is, is a tackling does have to get better? And I, I mean, would as, say as as soon as soon as we clean up the tackling, our linebacker group is okay, with the exception of Collins, who I think should be let go because he is just not the Dorsey type of guy. He's not. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't eat sleep and breathe football or, or at least it doesn't show no he, when he plays and it's i agree a shame. it's a I shame agree. because his talent is there yeah yeah i mean yeah you know whatever let, let him go it's it's uh it's 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 not the uh it's not the best draft if you want uh you know there's probably not a kukri uh in oh, the draft but uh guy but, who's pretty good in that in that class yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are very good guys there, uh, but I'm just saying there's no like no slobberdecker uh, guy like I'm talking about. No, there, well, there, even there, even there, Devin White's not going to be that guy, but uh, he's going to no, be a phenomenal player in the NFL. There's no guy who is like the uh, Andrew Luck of of the linebackers, you know? Who yeah. you know? And that's what you, I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, you you. I th- I think we're gonna. What we're gonna do is sort of expand uh, the roster, and there's no need uh, to make a big, uh, splashy, flashy move in free agency and spend money on on uh, on a free agent who is probably closer to the uh, uh, downward spiral of his career 
as opposed to you know the uh, in the trajectory of his career. Um, I think I think we uh, should probably focus more on the defensive side on the draft. You know, uh, th- there's a balance right between best player available and what you need. Yeah, you have but, to find um, that balance. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you focus on BPA, it's uh, I think it's a mess. The same way that if you focus on what you need. So you have to find the right balance, and I think uh, Dorsey has it. So I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, full of expect great expectations, like yeah. the, uh, like the novel. So I think so I think we're going to have another phenomenal draft. I, I, I will. I have same here. I will say that uh, Fort, the the one guy that you've been talking up, um, I, I actually just looked at a mock draft uh, while we were taking a little bit of a break, and uh, I saw him falling all the way to the last pick in the first round. Um, Byron Murphy. Yeah, our oh, second to last Byron pick. Murphy. So I, he, I, I've I've seen him picked all over the place in in, yeah. in mock drafts. I've seen him at the fifth. I've seen him fall out of the first, which is inexplicable. But anyway. Um, I, it's 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 interesting. If not for anything else, uh, watching these mock drafts is uh, really just how different an opinion you can get from watching the same thing. You watch yeah. the same thing, and you come out out with. I mean, we we had this last year. Uh, we we watched Baker Mayfield, and the opinions were all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we had guys say that he was undraftable last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 you had the two extremes, really. Um, I would I would say the middle part was the thinnest, probably, uh, in the range of opinions. So that that part is always interesting to me. But finally, I mean, I I just refuse to look at quarterbacks. Yeah, yes. I, I I honestly haven't looked at. I mean, you know, so. I've been working on uh, – I started last week uh, really putting together a board of guys that I really liked. I haven't really ranked anything yet, but I, I honestly – I don't have any quarterbacks on it because I don't care. That's the one position I am not even going to bother looking at. And if we take a quarterback in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, whatever it is, so be it. I'm not, I probably won't know anything about him because I'm not even going to look. You know, the you thing guys- is it, as, as, you watch, as you watch college football and, and, and even, even just cut-ups, uh, I mean – you are you are going to see some sure. quarterbacks, quarterbacks and what they do. Like. Yeah. I mean, I, but, there's uh, one guy I kind of like because uh, I've seen him. I saw a couple games of his, and it's more an arm thing than anything else. But I don't think you know he's not a guy that I'm. I wouldn't consider. I would you know if we Walker. draft him, we draft him. No, I I actually like Elijah Sindelar from Purdue. Uh, I think oh. he's just got he's got uh, he's got a really big arm. He's tough. I think he's got a little bit to learn, um, but I think he's just uh, he's a I think he's a quality Big Ten quarterback. Uh, we all know Purdue produces NFL quarterbacks. They've done it multiple times over mm-hmm. um and he's just a guy that i like um you know I, again i'm not looking in particularly at quarterbacks but just from the games that i saw he's the guy that i like 
I liked enough to say, well, you know what? If we took a late round flyer on him, I'd be okay with it. But I, you know, I've been focusing mostly on um, defensive tackles, corners, because I still think corner is an issue. It will always be an issue with the way the league is set up. Um, and when you brought up Byron Murphy, um, I had originally thought Greedy Williams was the best corner in the class, and I have since changed my mind. Um, Byron Murphy is the guy that I like the most right now. Um, I think I mean, the, the, the top three, four guys are all great. I mean, yeah, they, and I agree with you, a hundred percent. But you know what's going to set them apart? And right now, you probably see those three or four guys scattered over the first, say, forty picks, thirty-five. You know, between first and thirty, you know, five and thirty-five, or five and forty, somewhere in that range. And right. what's going to really separate them, probably, unfortunately, is the underwear Olympics, because that's that's you know that's what. Everybody, you know what I mean? Like we all, like you just said, we all have, we can all look at the same thing and have different opinions. Well, the numbers will come out when, when a one guy runs a four, three and the other guy runs a four, four, five. Well, that there is no, we can't have difference of opinions on that. We know we saw what those guys did. Those numbers can't change. So well, the, well, the, the good thing about the underwear Olympics is, uh, there's the, uh, uh football outsiders has the sexier, uh, metric of theirs, which, I think that the the pass rusher or the edge position is, is probably the best in terms of uh, just predicting based on numbers. Yeah, I, well, I think I think it works great if if you look at their sexier projections uh, for for all the guys that we drafted and others drafted. Hang on, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, sack. Seer projections. We we went through this last year. It's sack seer. He's not saying they're sexier projections. He's saying oh sorry they're guys, sack, they're sack seer projections. Okay, I just want to make that point. Go ahead for that's it. still pretty sexy though. It is. Here's the thing. This here, class. I guess one of the things about that though is you know we all looked at you know I guess uh the 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 what is it the 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 shuttle the the ten yard shuttle which was the with the number the that we were looking cone. at. The three, three cone, cone that's three right. Cone. Yeah, so the three cone, um, you know, and every I, I was a pretty big Brad Bradley Chubb guy. He was the kind of guy I wanted to take it for, mostly because I think we still need more pass rush, um, and I still think that's an issue. I still think we need more of a pass rush, but uh, you know, his three cone wasn't great, and as a result, but it but it passed, unlike Agba. Yeah, uh, uh, there's there's a threshold for the three cone and. Uh, Chubb passed just barely, but Agba did not. Yeah, you know, and you can see the difference. You can see yeah. the difference in the players. It, it's it's drastically different. I mean, Chubb Chubb went out there and he had a he had a very good rookie year. You know, yeah, right. he played across from Von Miller helps. That, that, that's true. But so then, then, what's, then again, what's Agba's, what's Agba's excuse? He's playing alongside uh, Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett's not Von Miller yet. Oh, he's he's pretty damn good. And he's pretty he's damn got, good. He's got Og Og Joby in there too. I mean, it's not like you know he's not playing against a, you know he's he's. I, well, when he's it not a terrible to, player either. I'm not saying he's a terrible player. I'm saying his pass rush. He, you know, his, he, the he lack is, of pass he rush, is solid. He is solid. He I, is. I think that's that's the. He doesn't get home he, enough. That's my 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 only drawback with him. He's no, excellent he, against the run. He, the the thing is that people sort of imagine that you need. Kind of like two one meters on each side to to have a productive pass rush, and that's uh, I, I think I think we have been thoroughly out schemed on oh, the yeah. defensive side. Uh, plus, I, I think we were kind of predictable, and you know, uh, if 
uh, Agba is a Paul Kruger. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm comparing it to, uh, sure. to the Ravens when Paul Kruger was there and he had like a 10 sex season. And then, and then we took Gave him over. all that money. Yeah. Yeah. Which was stupid. But anyway, um, you know, uh, uh, my hopes are that with Wilkes and, and the, and all the other guys, which is, uh, I mean, uh, we have some interesting names there. And my hopes are that uh, we can finally start to uh, scheme these uh, players better because uh, one of one of my uh, complaints with the way Mice was used in college was he was asked to do the same thing over and over again, like from the same side. You know, if you guys remember when uh, the last time we played the Texans, when we had uh, uh, Joe Thomas, they moved JJ Watt all over the place. Uh, they they had they had him over uh, Joe Thomas for like three plays, and and they quickly stopped doing that foolishness, and uh, that's when he started impacting the game. So uh, that that's why um, right tech was are becoming increasingly important because, you know, why should their best player on the offensive line take out our best player on the defensive line? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are not going to move uh, the the Left five tackle. guys around. Yeah. Uh, around. Yeah. But we, uh, that's, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the, uh, benefits of, of playing defense that you can move things around Anyway, I, I just ran off on a ton- tangent. That's okay. That's okay. So um, I think you were the one guy that didn't give us uh, a player. So who who would be the guy that you would want to, you know, a player or a position group that you want to improve on? Um, we I think we have talked about this on 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 the long table before. Uh, uh, maybe the guys uh, don't know that I introduced you to a book series. Uh, on yes. how to build uh, a defense. I, I, I forgot the exact title. Yeah, and I have it, it, was ri- it was written by a, a high school coach. And um, it kind of changed my look on how to build a defense because he starts from the back. Uh, he says the first thing that you have to find are your cor- cornerbacks and then your safeties and then your linebackers and then your line. And a recent example for this, in my mind, is uh, we had those clips when the Chargers played the Patriots and Bosa uh, went to uh, Tom Brady and said, stop getting rid of the ball so quick. You know, there's this this mic'd up clip. And if you have, if you can't cover for three or four seconds, they are not going. They're not going to be sex. It doesn't matter how good your players are. I mean, we we have probably the most physically gifted uh, defensive end in the game, and and I know that when if you guys remember when he trained with Orchard, he said yep. that they they two only have two and a half seconds. Yep. You can't get there if you have uh, decent. 
uh, quarterback and a decent left tackle. You just can't get there in two and a half seconds. Unless you have the right people covering. And the way the game is evolving, in my humble, humblest of opinions, the linebacker position is... It, it, it's going to have to change. Um, and gone are the times uh, where you can just get an unathletic tackle master who can't cover. No, which is, they all have what, to cover. Which is what we had in the past. If you guys remember, and, and we were taking taken apart, even though DQ was a great tackler in the wrong game, as soon as he had to cover a, a tight end or a running back, game over. Yeah, and one that that's why one of the things that I look at when I'm when I'm looking at uh, all these college guys is is how good they can cover, how many passes they have defended and such and so on. So I I, I don't even remember what I was. Oh, oh right, right. Uh, so I, I I want to improve the defensive back position partly because we had injuries. Sure. Uh, I mean, I mean, you have Randall who battled with his foot injury all season long. Yep. If he's out, our next uh, free safety is BBC, and I love BBC, but he's not Randall. No, you're right. And if you know, we 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 need more players there. Ward had two concussions, uh, even though he's awesome. Um, we have we had a plethora of injuries at at the cornerback position, and 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 it showed because they could pick on on uh, Gaines Mitchell, whoever it was who was healthy at the moment who wasn't Ward. So at at seventeen, if he's there, I, I would I would pick Murphy. Um, 100%. Well, yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I mean, I haven't looked at everyone else, so I, I don't really have like this uh, board kind of thing. Uh, I've looked at but, a lot uh, of them. I have two. I, uh, two of the guys yeah, that I like, it's ironically the two of the guys that I'm looking at this one, uh, Daniel Jeremiah's latest mock. And um, he uh, it's he's got some interesting picks. He has us taking, uh, and I, I don't really want to stay on this too long because I, I kind of want to get into uh, you know a break and then we'll come back. He is taking uh, uh, an offensive tackle, Andrew Dillard from Washington State. Uh, he's a senior redshirt. Um, and I'll be honest, I, I don't think that that's necessarily an issue, um, but it's not the position I would go specifically because of the guys that he has down the road. Uh, Christian Wilkins, uh Mac Wilson, uh, Dexter Lawrence, Byron Murphy, those guys are all available at 17 in his board, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, DeAndre Baker, who I like as well. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, th- there's guys there that, uh, and Devin Bush, there are guys there that I like better at, st- at you know, and I think would be better fits. Um, Anyways, that being said, uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, I think I, I said it already. I think uh, the secondary is still an area I'd like to see improvement, mostly because of injuries. I think we need some depth. Um, you know, if if like you said, uh, fourth, uh, if Randall is out, or uh, God forbid, if Randall and uh, Ward are both out, um, you know, our coverage takes a significant drop, uh, step backwards. Um, 
So I am uh, all in on adding uh, another corner, free safety, a guy who could kind of switch back and forth from from one to the other if necessary. Um, you know, I, to me, there's two positions in the NFL that you can never have enough of, and it's pass rushers and, and cornerbacks. And uh, I wouldn't care if we dra- or defense, even defensive linemen and corners. If you drafted, uh, if we drafted somebody at one of those spots, and we, you know, we ended up doing the smart thing and just uh, throwing a little bit of money at Perriman and a little bit of money at uh, Robinson, I would be okay with uh, the offensive line and and even the wide receiver position. Uh, moving forward and, and really want to focus on that uh, that secondary or the defensive line. I know you guys all like to would like or especially easy would like to see improvements at linebacker, but that I, you know, I, I and I don't have an issue with going after a linebacker. I just don't think it's a super high priority on the list. Um well, I- yeah, and I don't think that it's necessarily a high priority on a list. It's just the one area that I think would would vault us into the most drastic, noticeable improvement. But I also got to say, I mean, Byron Murphy, I, fourth was like, you know, he twisted my arm until I watched tape. You know, he kept saying, watch this guy, watch this guy. So I watched him. It took all of about four plays for me to say, okay, this guy is, <laughs> I, I want him right now. I want yeah. him on the team right now. And I watched, you know, I, I probably watched, I don't know, maybe about the, about a half dozen or so, or, or actually about a dozen or so cornerbacks. Uh, there's quite a few good ones in this group. Um, Central Michigan has two of them that are like, you know, either one of them would be we, uh, good players. But Byron Murphy, to me, if that guy is there at 17, I am running to uh, uh, put put the card in. I'm, I'm not thinking, and I don't care. I mean, you mentioned some good players that are on that list. Uh, Mac Wilson and, and I, you know, I love Christian Wilkins. I mean, there are some good players and even – the tackle that you mentioned, we go in those directions. I don't know that there are necessarily any bad choices there, but Byron Murphy, I'm all about the player, right? My, my big thing is I, I want us to get the player that we are the most excited about right now. And I haven't, of course, scouted everyone, but the player that I personally am most excited about is Byron Murphy. I think Byron, if you, if, if you want to see a cornerback completely take over a game, now that's hard to do. It's hard for a cornerback to completely dominate a game watch the conference championship game that washington played against utah 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 both, state both both utah games both, yeah, both utah, utah games, games. Yep. but but especially and and the first utah game the one during the regular season was the one that i saw those four plays and i'm like wow this guy he's got all the traits right there i mean change of direction smart player tough uh hits have you talk about yeah, a hitter that, that, oh, that, looks hitter. Like, that looks like a highlight tape Oh, it does. And and we're we're talking like all, all you need is like the first half dozen plays. And it's like, all right, I'm sold. But the game that he had later in the year against them, I mean, it was, again, it's difficult to, he had the only touchdown of the game on a play that he just took the ball away from the, the offensive player and ran it back for a touchdown on a, the the guy is remarkable. He's tough. He's fast. He covers, he, you know, everything that you want in a player. If, and I think that the idea that he's not getting a lot of, um, you know, like you guys are saying, he's all over the board as far as... And Greedy Williams is a good player, too. Not to take away from anybody. And there's another guy, Justin Lane. The uh, I can't think of who he plays for, but another another uh, really, really good... Yep. Notre Dame. Uh, no, you're thinking of Julian Love. I'm thinking of... Oh, Julian yeah. Love. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Lane yeah. plays for... I can't think of it right now. But anyway, really good player. Uh, and there's some good ones out there. But I think that as we get closer, it's going to be kind of like it was Baker last year in the sense that Byron Murphy is going to end up being the first cornerback off the, uh, the, 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 uh, the board. I hope that it's to us at 17 because he's yeah. a really, really good one. The, uh, By the uh, way, he has, a, he has a good teammate. The, their, their middle linebacker. Uh, Burr Kirvin or Kirvin, 
he he has like a hyphen name and he had the most tackles uh this year in college and he is a special player is he coming uh, out yeah i i think so yeah i think so okay so and here's here's a he, he won't be there he won't be taken in the first round i think um so it's uh, yeah. it's it's funny. I'm, uh, so I'm looking at this board, and 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 you know, there's guys in here that we've we've talked about for the last two years. I mean, uh, this is Daniel Jeremiah's board, a guy who I do like, I do respect. But I mean, if for some reason we're picking 17, we're going to get ourselves a good player. But if you could think about trading up to to get um, a Devin White or a, uh, a Farrell or an Ed Oliver, I mean, he's got those guys at 10, 12, and 14. I mean, if you could trade up, a, you know, maybe a, a third round pick to move up to 14 and get Ed Oliver or trade up, a, you know, maybe a third to get up and, and get uh, Farrell or, uh, you know, a second and get uh, Devin White. I mean, would you would you think about that? Oh, I, I would. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm on record. I would if, if there's a if there's a guy that Meathead really, really loves and he's there and we have to move up you know, to like five or six overall, I, I would have, a, I wouldn't have a problem with trading our number one next year. Yeah. Cause I don't expect us to have a high pick next year. Yeah. And if I, that's I, what it takes. I would do it. See, I think, um, I think Byron Murphy's the kind of guy that, that, that meat would love. Um, he's a, fi- he's a football player, but Hell I yeah. think, I think one of the other things, uh, watch some Devin White tape and, and read some stuff on him. He's like the consummate teammate. Um, you know, Greedy sat out the bowl game. Devin White played in it. Devin White is the better player at probably the maybe a little bit lesser of a you know highly drafted position because he's a, a linebacker, not a corner. But um, and these are two guys that are like best friends. Um, but Devin White is a—he's uh, like a game changer, in my opinion. He's a guy—he's—he's—he's he's, he's not Keekly, but he's—he's he's pretty pretty damn close up there. He's—he's a, he's a guy he can—he can blitz, he can cover, he can—he uh, can play the run. He can—he can—he can—you know—he's a—he's a—you know—he's a three-down linebacker in the NFL. Um, and I think, uh, you know, and he's a football player, you know, and uh, a good teammate. So he's the kind of guy that, um, you know, I think meet would want to trade up for. Um, I don't know if we're going to make a move up to, uh, to get another, you know, to, to trade up, but I, cause we're going to get a good player at 17 regardless. There's just way too many good players. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I just don't want to uh, jinx it. We will have the opportunity to draft someone good at 17. Some, yeah. Someone is going to be there. Uh, I have faith in Dorsey. I just hate jinxing. Anyway, yeah. um, one of my favorite guys to mention was Dexter Lawrence. Yep. Uh, but that was before we got rid of Greg, whose scheme, uh, in my opinion at least, uh, could really use that uh, under tackle or one tech, that, that big guy uh, up on the other side of... Uh, Larry. Larry, yep. And if you guys remember, we got rid of two of those guys. We got rid of both Chatton and Meter, and then had Coley there, who, in my opinion at least, should have been the backup of Larry instead of that under tackle. And uh, my idea was to draft Dexter Lawrence to uh, 
to to uh, man that position. But now that we have a new coordinator and an entirely, well, almost an entirely new uh, defensive uh, staff, I'm not sure. But I still think that he's a great player and that uh, defensive tackles, the, the inside pass rush is going to become more prominent the same way that the right tackle position on the offensive line has increased in importance in in, in the past years because um, the Tom Brady type of quarterbacks who move really well in the pocket and who can really step up yes those those are difficult to get from the edge and you know, if you can't affect them, it's it's really hard to stop Tom Brady. As much yep. as I hate him, with all the cheating and whatever. Anyway, so uh, I would really be happy to see a defensive tackle too, if if we pick at seventeen. But that's the position in this year's draft that I think if we pick, it's it's similar to. Um, uh, to the running back position was last year. Last year. There's a lot of, there's depth. Yes, exactly. There's so, good uh, ones all over the place. So you can get a good yeah. one. At, you can get a good one in the second round, even if we had yeah, to. And, maybe and, and so, some, some of them have um, issues uh, similar to Callaway. So maybe we can get a premier player later than he would go based on his talent. That's another thing that I'm kind of looking forward to. Yep. So, I, man, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not really a, a free agency guy because I, I really don't know what goes, what's going on with other teams. Um, oh. So, plus, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think it would be. We are just not set up that way, in my opinion. We're going to start having to pay our own guys, so I think it's going to be a little tough to dole out massive chunks of money to guys that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think that that's a good point. I don't think it. I think it's the sense. same thing. I think it's the same thing as the the uh, draft paradigm, where if there's guys out there that Meathead really likes, then you know we go get them. But I don't. I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that it's really ever really wise to quote unquote build through free agency. I mean, when is it worked out that guy, the teams sign like huge mega stars through free agency and it like works out like Dominican Sue signed this huge deal with the dolphins. He was there for what, two years of it. Well, the the um, only, the, the, the most prominent example is, is, uh, Hainsworth Peyton Manning to the Broncos. That's, oh, well, that's, sure, yeah. that's well, the I, one that, that's the and one that's, that's worked odd, out. That's an odd one, but I mean, well, you can see teams improve drastically if they, if they go out and sign a couple guys. But I, I mean, I, you know, it's also could I mean, be fool's gold. Ra- Look Randall, what happened. Randall, Randall for us was well, it was good. a trade. He was a trade. Yeah, true, so true. But true, if you want to, if, if you want to talk specifically free agency, the Giants went out and spent some money about two years ago. They signed three guys for the defensive. Uh, you know, they signed. Oh, it was it three years ago? They got signed snacks. Olivier Vernon and uh, Jack Rabbit, and um, 
you know, they, they, they went from one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the better defenses in the league um, by signing three guys and drafting one player. Um, I mean, it can happen, but, you know, three years later, look at that defense and look at their salary cap situation. So it's, you know, it, it can be fool's gold, too. Um, this segment ran a little longer than I wanted to. So instead of taking a break, I just I, I do want to talk about one more thing. And it's, it's not going to be Browns related. Uh, BTB, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. But uh, I guess what I want to ask everybody is uh, it's it's Sunday of uh, championship week. What is everybody's thoughts? Well, that's OK. Hey, listen, that's a good segue to take a break. You can take a break now and then we come back and give our predictions. That's called a tease. All hey, right. guys, quick, quick, quick thing. I know I, I've been a little bit silent, but uh, you guys have been talking about drafts and everything. My draft cr- crush and a guy that I want absolutely more than anything in this draft is um, <clears throat> wide receiver from University of Massachusetts. Andy Isabella fourth. I know I told you about him a little bit. He was a consistent all American in 2018, actually led the nation with receiving yards per game, 141 and a half per game. Dude's a pure route runner, catches absolutely everything that comes to him. The thing that's going to knock him in the draft is going to be his size. He's listed right now as 5'10", probably come combine time. He'll get bumped up to 5'11", but that's a guy you guys got to pay attention to. He's actually born and raised in Yes, this is a real town, guys. Mayfield, Ohio. It's a suburb right outside. <laughs> it's a suburb right outside of Cleveland. Pay attention to this it. guy. It's it's destiny. It's pay, destiny. A, pay attention to this kid in the draft. He is the absolute must get in this draft. All right. Well, that's good to know. So, like like uh, Easy said, we're going to tease it. We'll come back with our uh, our thoughts on the games that are going to be uh, taking place in the next couple hours. Sounds good. It's gin and tonic, and uh, you're listening to the Square Table. So we are back with the uh, square table, um, and we left off. We're going to start talking about uh, today's games, championship weekend. Uh, not always the best of games, but um, we got some. We got two good ones here. We got uh, Chiefs Patriots tonight, six o'clock Eastern time, and uh, we have the Saints and the Rams. It's the one and the two against the one and the two. Um, Hey, fourth though, what do you think, buddy? What do you, what are your thoughts? I know you usually don't follow a lot of the other stuff, but what do you what do you think uh, Super Bowl Sunday? Who do you think we're going to see? Well, I have no idea, but I know that I don't want the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, uh, I'm, I'm you're rooting for Mahomes. Yes, yes. Uh, anyone but the Patriots. That's that's my that's my approach. I mean, my hatred for them. Rivals the Ravens. Really? Wow! Wow! Uh, yeah, that's, I, that's, uh, I, I, re- I really, I really abhor cheating, and I just can't stand them. Um. So yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch. I'm just. I'm just gonna look at the results between my fingers, like as as if I was a kid watching a horror movie. Because that's what uh, it's like to you right now. Yeah, I mean uh, the. The damn Patri- Patriots! I just could you please stop winning and just I mean, fall I, off, fall off the, a cliff. It, it's bound to happen at some point, but I don't think it's quite there yet. How about you, Easy? What do you think? 
Well, I, I always love the animosity that Forth shows towards the Patriots, and I, and I don't share it at all. I don't have a problem with Belichick. I don't have a problem with Brady. I don't have a problem with any of it. And I also look at this game. Um, I, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the guy, just, what an incredible first year as a starter. Just an amazing season, 50 touchdowns. And, of course, you know, he was, he was the guy that I think everybody here, everybody on this, well, except for BTB, but everybody yeah. else was like all about some Patrick Mahomes back in the 2016 draft. Yes. And, you know, I mean, we, we were all, every one of us were like all about that guy. And he has just had an unbelievable season. This guy, I don't think I've ever seen it. There's never been anybody like him. There will never be anybody like him that can throw and, and make r- ridiculously difficult catches with strength and accuracy from any and no base. The guy is amazing. I've talked about him uh, in terms of the way that, um, I think scouting for quarterbacks is going to change in the future. People are going to start looking at middle infielders because of the way that they're able to throw from every direction and and so on and so forth. So I, I say everything, you know, about the the Chiefs season and Patrick Mahomes season, those guys deserve it in droves, all of the accolades. But, 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 of course, they say that everything before but is BS. But, and and I'm not, I don't, I'm not taking away anything from them. But, you know, the really interesting stat about today's game. This is the first AFC, and by the way, by the time people hear this, it's the games will have already happened. So it's like in in, in real time, uh, they're going to be able to judge, well, you know, how, how, accurate we are about any of these predictions that we're making here but this is the first afc championship game ever played in kansas city it's actually only oh, the wow. second it's the second it's only the second time that the chiefs have ever played in the afc championship game they, they went to the super bowl in super bowl three and or super bowl four and four. they they won the afl back in those days that was when it was the afl and the nfl so this is only the second afc championship game they've ever played in the first one was 25 years ago when they played and lost to the buffalo bills that was when joe montana got as far as he ever got outside of san francisco that was with these these same chiefs so So all that to say, this is a huge moment for Kansas City. This is a big, this is the biggest moment their franchise has experienced in, you know, in anybody that is there in that organization, in any of their existence. You know, this is a big, this is the biggest thing in their football lives. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots are playing in their eighth consecutive AFC championship game. And if you break it out further, it's now 13 out of 18 games they have played in the eight in the AFC championship game. And of course, along the way, they they played in seven Super Bowls, winning five of them. Whenever you look at championship games in the NFL, and this is also true in bowl games in college, particularly, you know, playoff games or ones that are, are determining a championship type posture. Teams get so amped up for it. And I, and I got it. I mean, I bet the Chiefs are as jacked up as any of those players have ever been their entire lives coming into this game today. And whenever you have a situation like that, we've also been watching live. If something oh, bad, he's, he's breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. No. You're still breaking up. Well, uh, we'll jump over. You had a really good point going there. Um, what I, what I will say is, uh, I, I heard a stat the other day, and uh, if we're going to talk about the Patriots, it's 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 very interesting that um, it, it this year, uh, and it's it, we'll tie it into the Saints even this year. Uh, 
Drew Brees set the record for most for highest completion percentage. It's like seventy four and a and a half percent. Um, if you were to to prorate that, now that's the highest ever for for every attempt. For every 100 attempts, he completes 74 and a half passes. Well, if Tom Brady played in 100 uh, – if he played at quarterback for 100 years, if the stats were to play out, he would have been in 76 AFC Championship games. He is more likely to start an AFC Championship game in the seasons that he started than a, play, than a quarterback is to complete a pass. I mean that's just – it's mind-boggling. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That, that is wild. Um, and here's another stat. I know I might have brought it up in the chow that if he wins today, he will tie Mark Sanchez, not for the most, but he will have the same amount of road victories uh, as Mark Sanchez does. He's been winning these games at home. Um, I mean, I get it that it's uh, he's also won more playoff games than anybody's ever played than anybody's ever played. Um, I, I won't uh, you know, I'm not knocking him for playing at home, but it, the road is a tough game. And, and that kind of segues into my my. Kansas City point is I think that uh, Kansas City has been a much better team at home this year. They're, they're allowing significantly fewer points. Their defense is much better at home than it is on the road. They do have a very good home field advantage. It's going to be cold as hell down there, and I think that uh, I think that this is going to be a tough one for the for the uh, for the Patriots to win. I think mm-hmm. this is a, a different kind of team than they've played in the past. Uh, this is a team that's going to put up a lot of points, and I think they're going to play pretty solid defense. Um, but you know, last week we all thought that the the Chargers were going to give the Patriots a game, and look what happened there. So, um, you know, you give Bill Belichick some time. He, I'm sure he's been thinking about this one because I think he kind of knew that the the, the the Chiefs were were the best team and the team mo- they were most likely to have to face. Um, so I'm sure he's got some really good game planning uh, done, and I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, is he back there yet, or no? No, I think we. I think we. The still dude lost. has his own like studio, and and he can't even partake in in, yeah. in a simple Skype call. Well, shame, he's, he's being parable art mall cop right now. He might have heard something and has to get on the Segway to go investigate. That's okay. <laughs> so so uh, NFC Championship game, uh, Saints Rams. Uh, I was a big golf guy. I I love I love mm-hmm. Drew Brees. I love the Saints. I love the city of New Orleans. I'm kind of rooting for them. I kind of. You know, I don't want to see Andamakan Sue get to a Super Bowl because I just don't like the guy. I think he's a dirty player. Um, I don't know what my thought is on that game. I, 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 I'm kind of torn. I think that the Rams are probably the better team, uh, but I think the Saints, you know, having home field advantage and and uh, you know having a little bit more of a uh, you know a polished, uh, experienced team that was realistically one crazy play away from being able to get to that point and and play in the NFC Championship game last year. I just think that they're uh, they're hungry and I think they're going to be the team to beat. So I think we're looking at a uh, a Saints. Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the reverse of that. I think it's gonna be Saints Patriots Super Bowl. Um, I think Brady's gonna bring the noise, bring the pain. The guy does know how to play on the road. Now, granted, you know, like you were saying, you know, a lot of their games coming, you know, winning in the playoffs come from home 
home field advantage, but that's just their you know regular season record. Now the Chiefs, the Chiefs got a uh, good regular season record this year, um, got them home field advantage during this game. You but you know the last time they played, it was kind of like the goat telling you know young Mahomes is you know hey not right now. And I think this is going to be a game that he uh, you know outplays him, and you know that they outscore them. I think that the uh, the Chiefs are going to be. I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout by any means. It'll probably be a very close game, but I think the experience in coaching and experience in quarterback play is what's going to you know what's going to win this game now i think the on the other uh, opposite side on the nfc i think it's going to be the same thing i think it's going to be the experienced coaches and the experienced quarterback play winning the game i think we're going to see a saints patriots super bowl and it's probably going to be the last uh maybe one of the last years that um uh brady and uh breeze will have you know getting into a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. You know, uh, they're both on their downside of their careers. We don't know exactly when they're going to retire. Maybe they'll retire after this year. They both probably should uh, go out on a high note. And, you know, they both probably could if one of them wins the Super Bowl. You know, we were kind of talking during the break about, uh, you know, how long Tom Brady has left in his career. Um you know, I think Easy said that uh, he's going to ride off into the sunset and, you know, play until he becomes dust and bones. But I, I don't think that he's that type of guy. I mean, the guy's been nothing but a competitor his whole life. Uh, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want his name to go out as, uh, you know, somebody like um, – uh, I don't. I don't Eli. know. Who, Eli, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to go out like Eli. I mean, well, then then again, I mean, Eli's probably got another good five years in him if he if oh, he wanted to. If you've watched him, you wouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, but. yeah, but I mean, but you okay? So yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But I mean, his supporting cast, Eli's supporting cast, hasn't been all that great at all. Okay. At all, you know. Um, he kind of gets the he kind of gets the um, Philip Rivers. Um, aspect of that you know they're they're both going to be hall of famers but rivers and eli they they've both been plagued by injury team shit coaches and you know just just bad luck now eli did win two super bowls he won against both of the you know both against the patriots which is i don't think anybody could say that about their career no you're right so you gotta you gotta hat tip him a little bit to that guy um but you know, like I said, I, I think that the, the the coaching and the quarterback play is going to outweigh everything and the experience and the the hungerness to get to you know to get one more before you're done. You know, um, Breeze. How many does Breeze has? He just has one, right? Yep, Breeze has right. one. Okay, so he just has one. You know, kind of kind of like um, Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning just had one, and then when he went to Denver and he won that other one, he he really didn't win that. The defense won that one. You know, he, he did just enough not to lose that game. But, you know, Breeze has a better, a way better offensive team right now than the, the you know, the Broncos did with um, Peyton Manning then. Yeah, so I, I, I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Patriots Saints Super Bowl and it's going to be one for the ages. Right. That'll be interesting. But it, but it really, you know, it really can go. Any four team could get in. Any of yeah. those four teams. That's the thing is these are the four best teams. They were the four oh, best yeah. teams all year. They're I, the four I mean, best teams all year. Exactly. I mean, this is what this is, what I see. Yeah, exactly. That's what everybody wants to see. I mean, you have the 13 and three team going against a 13 and three team. You have a 12 and four team going against an 11 and five team. Yeah. You know? And I'll, I'll be honest, this is where I want us to be next year. This is where I'm expecting us to be next year. I know as crazy as that sounds, I think that, you know, I, I think the division is ripe for the pickings. I think we could be here next year uh, and we'd be discussing the Browns on Championship Sunday. It'd be really interesting. I want to yeah, thank you guys. I want to thank you guys. Thing, this is a lot of fun. 
Go ahead. You want to? I'm sorry. The great thing about that is, you know, the Browns being a contender for the playoffs and a contender to make a run in the playoffs is not far fetched at all. There's nobody. There's nobody around that's saying that's far fetched, and that's that's kind of a beautiful thing. Yep. Did I uh, end up getting back with you guys? Can you hear me all right now? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Okay, cool. I switched to a different uh, network. How much of uh, of my diatribe did you hear before it got uh, cut off earlier? About, I about, ha- about half, I would say, probably. Who knows with you, though, because, you know, you, you do tend to ramble. That's you left, true. So you I- left off on um, Mahomes. Okay, yeah. So uh, Mahomes, um, incredible year, fantastic year. Uh, This is going to be, like I say, for that entire Kansas City uh, organization, the biggest moment in their lives. I mean, it it is it is the the biggest that that entire organization has experienced since any of them have been around. And for the Patriots, eighth straight AFC championship game they've played in 13 out of the last 18. This is a team that. If if going into this game, the, the Chiefs are going to be more jacked up than they have ever been. If something goes wrong, and, and it doesn't even need to be anything super major from the standpoint of an, a run-of-mill regular football game, a team could come back from it. But like if the Patriots were to go down the field on the opening drive and score a touchdown, that alone may be enough to where if Kansas City does not immediately go down and respond, they may start they, they may start uh, getting, getting a little, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, cheating up a little bit and, and getting and start feeling the pressure. And it's because of that. I mean, I, I think Kansas city, as far as from a talent standpoint, you can play and, and beat absolutely anybody. But on this stage, I, I'm taking the Patriots all day long. And I think that if, uh, unless um, you know, another aspect of this is that Andy Reed doesn't exactly have a sterling record of performing well in big games. No. So, you know, and this isn't the first time that he and Belichick have met in a championship setting before. So with that in mind, uh, I, I, I like the Patriots in that game and it's just, and next, you know, next year, the chiefs are going to be tougher. Uh, and they'll, they'll have that kind of battle hardened experience. And like you said, uh, GNT, I kind of expect us to be uh, knocking on that door at the same time, and hopefully they won't get past us, and we'll and we'll be the ones having to try to knock off the Patriots because I don't think that the the I don't think either Brady or Belichick are planning on getting out of it anytime soon. Uh, yes. I think they're both going to be around for a long time, or at least they they want to. Now on the other side of things, the um, the Saints and the Rams. If this game were played in Los Angeles, I'd probably give the edge to the Rams. The fact that it's in New Orleans, these are two really good teams. They're not necessarily similar in their styles, but they're still very good teams. I think the fact that it's played in New Orleans gives them the slight advantage that'll end up being um, it'll end up being a probably about a 10 point differential as far as the overall score, but it'll probably end up being a closer game than that. Uh, but I see the saints uh, winning that one. And then you'll have the, the kind of the, the ultimate matchup. It's like one matchup could be golf against Mahomes as far as like, you know, the, the next generation of young quarterbacks coming along and having that matchup in the super bowl. But I think it's going to be like, uh, like BTB thinks that it's going to be a final hurrah between the two old guys, breeze and, uh, uh, the Patriot uh, breeze and Brady. And that is just, and you realize those two guys are right now one. And I think uh, uh, Brady's got just like about a, a cup, uh, maybe a thousand more yards. He's got to do to beat Peyton Manning. But in terms of the all time yardage, all time in NFL history, uh, breeze is one Brady's three. Mm-hmm. And they both still look like they can go for a couple more years. Yeah, so that's absolutely. what I think. Patriots saints. Oh, it will be interesting. It's going to be a really, uh, it should be a good couple hours. Um, so, 
I want to thank you guys. This is a lot of fun, and we lost Fourth somewhere along the way, uh, but uh, you know his input's always valuable, and and it was uh, this was a lot of fun. BTB always great to talk to you, bud. Uh, Thanks, sir. Always, always welcome. You know that you guys are always welcome on uh, on the long table, and we can uh, we could make this uh, sucker a square table whenever you guys want. Um, hopefully, we can do it again uh, right around draft time. A couple, uh, say two months down the road, three months down the road. Um, oh, we do it up there in draft time. You know, you yeah. know how we do it there. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, just about anybody from Cleveland knows where Mayfield is. BTB, just just saying, because May- Mayfield is like it's it's just like a, a, a couple of counties over. I used to work yeah. there. So, so the oh, other really? Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Back right in your Chesterwood. Chesterwood. days? Uh, actually, in my flooring days. His but flooring. I was, I was oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was, was all over Mayfield. It was right next when, to Chesterland. When he was yes, laying, yes. when he was laying the carpet. That's right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Cutting the rugs. Anyways, uh, one quick thing uh, to everybody out in Cleveland. I uh, hope you guys bear the brunt of this storm uh, as well as you could. It's uh, it's pretty nasty up here in uh, in upstate New York, and uh, I know that the two guys that are with us are both uh, enjoying some nice warm weather right now. So um, hopefully everybody in Cleveland's safe and got power, and uh, if not, they're hunkering down and enjoying the games today. So uh, thanks warm for and dry. all. Yeah, warm and dry. Thank you all for listening. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it's always great to talk to these guys. And uh, this has been Gin and Tonic on the Square Table on Dogs by Nature. Thank you, guys. See ya. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.